Today's the last game of our Little League season, my first as a Little League coach, manager, or skipper. And as the coach, the guy in charge, I do see the game a little bit differently now after this experience. As a manager, unlike a player, I have to attribute for everybody's strengths and weaknesses. Even though I can't run as fast as I used to, I can now see the greatness in others. I can also see what's holding them all back as well. And while they're just 11 and 12 year old boys and I can't shake the out of them, I was able to influence them just a bit. If they all grow to like baseball and learn that you can lose and still come back to try and win again, then I've done my job. You know, life is a numbers game. While I can't knock on 100 doors anymore or ring 100 lines like I used to, there's 99 reasons why I should. All it takes is one, but you know what? Whether you're hunting for prey or coming up with a big idea, it does just take the one, but what are the odds the best one was gonna come on the first try? And that's why we've gotta keep getting out there each and every day. Think about those on the baseball field. They fail a lot, even the pros, but yet they still go up for their next at bat, even if they're taking one on the chin. So today, I wanna talk about managing players and waiting in line. So let's queue up to start joshing around. I like to think that my skills as a successful manager come not from what I picked up on the baseball diamond as a player, but instead from game theory and repetition via video games. Because I played a ton of bases loaded, RBI 93, and even MLB The Show, so I know and can anticipate what may happen in a game much like the players themselves. In fact, I learned a lot about business the same way. I've played football on the Madden franchise, but I like building a team and swapping players and picks more than anything. This really started from the beginning on the Nintendo Entertainment System. There was a game called Wall Street Kid where a young trader was given $500,000 in seed money and he had to turn it into a million in order to get a big inheritance from his great-grandfather. At the same time, though, he had to make sure to exercise, take his fiance out to dinner or lunch, and if he was unable to raise money needed for key items such as boats or homes, then this stockbroker would be disowned by his family. So you really had to put in the work making sure you knew what trades were going to pay off. Another game that may have taught me a little more than I needed to know at the time was Leisure Suit Larry in the Land of the Lounge Lizards. Released in 1987, the Leisure Suit Larry franchise stuck around in some form or another through 2009, which is quite a bit of longevity for a low-life loser. The series focuses on Larry Laffer as he attempts to convince a variety of nubile women to sleep with him. Fun fact, I used to play this game when I was eight or nine years old on the original Apple Mac the few times that my dad would have to take me to work with him. A common link between all the games are Larry's explorations of luxurious and cosmopolitan hotels, ships, beaches, resorts, and casinos. And while everybody may like to visit those places, I love them. So it seems that Larry rubbed off on me just a little bit. Luckily, I had a lot of strong women in my life, so I didn't turn into some low-life loser in a leisure suit. That said, the creator of Leisure Suit Larry, you'd think he would be some sort of scumbag, but instead, Al Lowe, a video game designer who's roughly 70 years old these days, his first game was Winnie the Pooh in the Hundred Acre Wood, then Donald Duck's Playground. Before he finally got around to Leisure Suit Larry, he's played uh, saxophone since he was 13 years old. In fact, he still plays on stage and also 
is director of the Pacific Northwest region of the National Model Railroad Association. So this guy's certainly no player at all. To prove the kids are and always have been a little daft, allow me to share a story about myself as a young baseball player. Well, not that young, because I did drive myself to the game. Not before, though, putting on my jockstrap and deciding against sliding pants or anything underneath my baseball pants over top. Didn't think anything of it till I got baseball ready in the batter's box, and as I waited for the first pitch, I heard over my shoulder someone from the crowd say, Hey, does anybody else see that boy's bare bottom coming through his white pants? My crack at bat reminds me of a story a woman from a big city once told me about a friend of hers who went on a date with a professional baseball player. I would tell you his name, but he's got a wife and kids now, and I know my wife wouldn't appreciate it if I were to kiss and tell about that time in a drive through at Taco Bell. What happened in the past should stay in the past for all of us. In any event, on this date, before it started, the girl told him, hey, just because you're a professional athlete doesn't mean I'm going to sleep with you on the first date. And he said, okay, that's fine. And then they went out and had dinner and wine. And afterwards, they had drinks, and she threw the reminder out there again. And after drinks, they did go back to somebody's place. I don't remember the details. And that's where it does get confusing, because on the elevator ride up, once again, she said, just because you're a professional baseball player, not going to sleep with you on the first date. Then she went to use the bathroom, freshen up a little bit, and when she came out, he was naked on the bed. That's right, he pulled the naked man, at which point I'm told she stormed off because, gentlemen, it doesn't matter how rich you are or how much status you may have, women aren't turned on by a man who can't follow directions. I've heard about the naked man technique, but I never think about using it. Just like I remember the older boys saying, if you ask a hundred women to sleep with you, you may get smacked in the face 99 times, but that one other time, and that just seems like a horrible way to live. Now, I did mention that everything in life is a numbers game, and seemingly that's how love is, too, to the pickup artists found in the seduction community. It's a real thing. Before there was the hashtag MeToo, these scumbags were out there saying, hey, you. The modern seduction movement dates to 1970 with the publication of How to Pick Up Girls by Eric Weber. He's considered the first modern pickup artist, but... According to my research, it does go a little deeper because emotive psychotherapist Albert Ellis, he wrote a how-to guide called The Art of Erotic Seduction that was pinned in 1967. And Ellis claims that he'd been practicing seducing female strangers since he overcame his fear of approaching them through in vivo desensitization in a Bronx botanical garden in the 1930s. In vivo desensitization simply means in life. Think of it like a baptism by fire. And that's how Albert Ellis first started to meet women in the same way that someone who's afraid of dogs might go out to pet their first dog. First, they'd imagine doing it. Then they'd slowly, tepidly reach out to let that dog sniff their fingers and then finally start petting. I realize what an awful metaphor this is now, so I'm going to back off from it. Well, that was a swing and a miss. And while negative, though, it was still a slight example of neuro-linguistic programming. This is an approach to communication created in the 1970s that claims there's a connection between neurological processes, language, and behavioral patterns that, if tapped into, can allow us to recode people's thoughts and persuade them to do other things. While this has been discredited scientifically, neuro-linguistic programming is still marketed by some hypnotherapists, sales professionals, and it's being used by the seduction community. 
I've been trained in some NLP techniques as a salesperson, and the way they teach us to use it is by embedding commands and saying things like, when do you plan on choosing the right agent for the job of selling your home? And you know, there I'm trying to just tell you that I'm the right agent for the job of selling your home. And I'm sure the pickup artists use it the same way when they say, hey, when you go to sleep tonight, remember the good time you had with me. And that's just creepy. I hope to God that it doesn't work. The more I learn about these pickup artists, the more it becomes obvious they helped influence the hashtag me too, just by saying, hey, you. Psychology is one of their tools. As for the rest of the tools, they use inner game, which they define as confidence and self-esteem, and outer game, which is social skills and a good appearance. So at least they're trying to make themselves better to get laid, unlike the involuntary celibate who thinks that they're entitled to women just because they had a neck beard. Guys, I don't understand. What's with all these subcultures and groups? What happened to just going fishing and having a weekly poker game? Both groups have nicknames for regular folk like me, from normies to average frustrated chumps. Another thing both groups have in common is they believe that money shouldn't matter when it comes to finding the perfect mate. That's just not fair. And this is where I disagree, because money is the paper equivalent of pushing, shoving, or waiting in line. You've already pushed, shoved, or waited to earn that money, so if you encounter a situation where you need to wait or push again, just use the money instead. With that in mind, I'm going to exchange money for waiting in line because we're going back to Disney this weekend. The blackout has finally ended, and to celebrate, we're going to get some drinks at one of the four restaurants at Magic Kingdom that now serve beer and wine. That's right, it's gone up from two to four, and this weekend you'll find me at the plaza for much longer than that as my kids enjoy an all-you-can-drink milkshake while I live the high life drinking a Cigar City IPA. Oh boy, I can't wait to save that date. For now, though, we've managed to find our way to the end of the show. I do hope you picked up on a thing or two, namely to take all the money you need so you don't get stuck online in your leisure suit and not to get naked on the first date. Make smart investments, always wear your sliding pants, and go out in life to get desensitized until we step up to the plate again for more Joshin' Around.